0: In Havana, I took a little risk. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this. Ha! All right, welcome everyone. Episode 49 of the Matt Jones podcast. We are one away from a big milestone here. We started this back. Uh, you know, back in, I think, January or February, and now it is um, it is July, and we we'll have done about 50 of these. But first, it's episode 49, and this uh, this episode is a two-parter. Second part, Ryan Russillo, who is from ESPN, he hosts uh, Russillo Ru- and Canel, is going to be on with us, talk a little bit about uh, his, I-, I find him to be a really interesting person. I think he's interested in radio, I think he's interesting also, just as a human being, he's one of the realest people in radio, which is why I think he's good. He's going to join us, and of course, in just a second, uh, Tony Venetti, who hasn't been on here since I went on my vacation. Uh, Actually, he's on now, so let's say hi to him. We're having to do it by phone because Tony's all of a sudden been busy, and I'm on the road with the tour, but Tony, how are you?
1: Uh, I love how you say it's 49 episodes, like it's the 49th episode of Seinfeld, and that there's (laughs) going to be a big cake backstage for 50 episodes of the podcast.
0: Listen, this podcast has grown a lot more than I thought it would have. Can we show it a it, little respect?
1: It is. It's a uh, It's a great avenue to have more Matt Jones because that's what the world needs is more Matt
0: Jones. <laughs> You're such an ass, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm so nice to you and you are such a consistent ass to me and there's really no reason for it I mean I don't I, you, you know. need people like me in your life man. all right before people we get to talking known. about things this episode is sponsored by Jack Irwin shoes Tony Vanetti is many things that are terrible but one thing he's good is he's a good dresser and I've been telling mm-hmm. you have you gone to Jack Irwin like I told you to yet yes I have the shoes are
1: important it is the window to your soul no way that's <laughs> It's the eyes, I think. I've <laughs> uh, been but a pair of shoes. Did you go to a the website women, like I told we'll you to? Yeah. No, I did. I did. I checked them out. and uh, Because if you're – look, women and people, for some reason, judge people by the shoes they wear. It's true.
0: Yeah, Rick Pitino had on Yeezys yesterday, and people were judging that. So if you would like really nice dress shoes – Jack Irwin is the place. They have some of the most best-looking and well-constructed shoes on the market. The kind of shoes you can't get. A lot of places where you're listening, you can't get shoes like the Jack Irwin's, and they'll deliver (laughs) them to your house, and they're very nice. I mean, Tony, there's probably only a couple places in Lexington and Louisville that sell shoes like Jack Irwin has.
1: Oh yeah, there's no doubt. Just don't wear white. Don't wear them with white socks, like Rick.
0: It's exactly like it's a modern take on classic designs. They're handcrafted in Spain and Portugal, two countries known for their shoes. When you think of Portuguese mm-hmm. and Spanish, you think of shoes. So go to that's jackerwin.com. That's jackerwi N.com. Here's the offer: fifteen percent off if you use a promo code MAT. Fifteen percent off. That can be a really good start. I have two pairs of shoes from Jack Irwin. I wear them all the time now when I'm dressing up, and you know I like to dress up, Tony. So, Jack Irwin, dot do. com. promo code Matt, 15% off. All right, so, Tony, it's been a while since I've been gone. I want to go over all the topics that happened when I left and get your take on them, okay? Okay. Okay. Let's you. start with the first thing that happened, which was the Cal and Rick back and forth. Okay, Cal did an interview with Mike Lupica where he sort of said, of course you know what happens at your school. Everyone said, oh, that's about Rick. Rick then basically said, shut your mouth, keep my name out your lips. And then Cal said, <laughs> I wasn't talking about you. What was your take on that?
1: Uh, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was – it's been a while since we've had some good back and forth. i I really don't enjoy it when these two guys are really acting like they're all chummy and friends. Come on, man. Let's get back to the way we used to mix it up. And, of course, he was talking about Rick Pitino. I love how Cal says stuff and then goes, why are people getting on me? I didn't say anything. It's like, really, dude? You were talking specifically about Rick and Louisville, and you know it? Uh, If not... Then you're Donald Trump, okay? I don't know what to tell you, uh, but and then Rick's response was hilarious. I mean, uh, and that was and that was calculated. That was not something that were just popped on Terry Minor show and, and answered about it. That was calculated. And then of course Cal had his whole day car wash at ESPN to where he could do. Uh, you know, he okay, let's start all with
0: that. Let's it. take this e- each. So you don't think there's any chance he wasn't talking about Rick? Oh, there's zero chance that he wasn't talking about uh, Rick. Come on. Well, I kind of agree with you. I mean, he was talking about Rick. Maybe Roy Williams. Yes. Maybe Roy Williams, too. Just I think, I think what bothers Cal, Tony, is that everyone acts like he knew things that didn't even happen on his campus, and then people give the benefit of the doubt to these guys for things that happen in their program. I just I don't think um
1: I, I don't think he thought through the comment either. It's just like are you setting yourself up for further like something goes on that he didn't know about that happened on his campus that is easy to not know about and he's gonna and everyone's gonna go, But I thought everybody knew No, now.
0: that's a really good point. I mean that that is a really good point. Here's what I found interesting about it. I think Rick almost never gets the upper hand in those things. Like Cal always comes across as cooler, better, funnier, and I think Rick may have gotten him this time, right? Like Rick sort of doing the keep your, keep your name, I keep my name out your lips and sort of the way he – did Rick win that one no, no, maybe?
1: No, 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 no. It was uh what we try to do in this business is build people up. Well, that was what lame. See, do, but that was the that lame was,
0: part. That was lame.
1: Yeah. No, no. Anytime you take the higher road on that thing, I knew Cal. I knew Cal. That was probably the one thing Cal was like, "Oh damn it, he got me on that one." Well, because because he, he, he acted about like keep your name out my
0: mouth. he acted like Cal. Though, well, first of all, to keep your name out your mouth, I think is for the fans, right? Like that's the ooh snap. I think you're right though. The thing that would make Cal the maddest is suggesting that he wasn't making the profession look good, right? Like that's what would really bother Cal, right? Yes. Yes, yes, but here's the thing. Also, like, let's take this in a case
1: of like you and I, or maybe even you and your enemy on the air, right? Um, there are things that you would attack that you would, you know, if you knew something that was big and bothered that other person, that was really just kind of a hands off thing, you would not go after that. Like this, this latest scandal hurts Rick, I think, worse than anything else, and that, and 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 Cal went right. After that,
0: but he did it though. But 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 he did it, Tony, because like you have to remember, Cal has had people come after him for stuff that seems like not nearly as bad. Like Marcus can be hiring an agent is not as bad as prostitutes in the dorm, but Cal gets blistered for that, and Rick is getting off.
1: Well, there is the one thing is the comment thread. uh, I think Rick Boses was the only one that said Rick. Rick had to know. And then everyone else, including you, myself, Terry Miners, every writer nationally, everybody said Rick probably didn't know. No, but what
0: I've said was, I want to be clear, I said he intentionally didn't know. Like I'm saying he set it up to where he knew stuff was going on, but he didn't want to know the details, the plausible. It's like when Drew goes out at night, if I'm not with him, I don't want to know what happened so I can say, well, I don't have anything to do with that. That's Drew Franklin, you know. Like, that's what I think he was doing. Well, I think a lot of the – Wooden did that with UCLA. Denny
1: Crum did that with Louisville. I mean, look, I don't want to know what the guys are doing. You just keep this little stuff from me. If it's big enough, do I need to know about it? Let me know. But other than that, keep it from me
0: yeah, I think that's what happened. You mentioned I do want to bring up you you brought up the Captain Suntan thing here for a second because I because you I bring this up with you because you know him, and I don't know that you all are friends, but you're acquaintances. and And so I the my very first day of vacation, it's the Muhammad Ali funeral, which was a great day for the city of Louisville. I mean, I think Louisville could not have acted better. I was worried about it when I heard it that like J dub was like gonna be throwing the beats down at the thing, but it ended up being great. It was absolutely great. And I said in a tweet, and then I said on the air, that I thought the best eulogy was actually Captain Suntans. That I really genuinely thought he did a great job. And his and his and and he did. And his response to that was to say A, that Oscar Combs and, and Dave Baker forced me to do that. Like they have some sort of control over me, like they're my bosses. And then secondly, that I was the most un-Muhammad Ali-like person in the entire world. What did what? you think? Yes, he tweeted that. He said I was the most un-Muhammad Ali-like person in the world.
1: Wow. Um, he's, he was close friends with Ali. A, a lot of us were just like, how did that happen? Like, <laughs> how, how is that possible? Like, how did they become friends? Like, one of the greatest human beings on the planet and John Ramsey. Like, how... But they were how genuinely friends,
0: right? Like, they, like... Were, were, I
1: will say this. I will say this. He did a fantastic job in the eulogy. He did, right? And the moment was huge. It's a million... I mean, I don't know how many people oh, watched was, that he, broadcast worldwide. He'll never uh, do
0: anything that will be seen by that many people again. And he stepped up and did a great job. I mean, I, I, I don't have to like him to say it was excellent. Yeah. Yes,
1: but you also, it's like asking Dick Vitale to do five great minutes on college basketball, okay? I mean, the guy, the, the guy's hung around with him for 30 years. He's got a million stories. It was great. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He did a fantastic job. But see here, how, he how does he belittle himself? And how does he make himself, and, and the reason I say how did that relationship happen is exactly why he tweets out after a funeral of Muhammad Ali and says that about you. Like, that's 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 like Ali-like so yeah. you're more like Ali attacking Matt Jones on Twitter and uh, it, it's, it's really to tell you the truth you're more like Ali than he is you paved your way regardless of what uh, what people have said and uh, t- took the ridicule because people forget how much crap you took at the beginning of your career with, uh, with the radio and the blog people thought you were out to get everybody dude no one looked the establishment the quote unquote establishment tried to sh- squeeze you out Nobody would cover any of your stories and all that, but you stuck with what you were gonna do. That's more Ali like than John Ramsey's ever done.
0: Well, that's nice of you to say. And you're right about that that when we started, like nobody I mean, I remember we broke the the story that Billy Gillespie was being let go and no one and like no one would go with it. And it didn't come out later until three or four hours later, and then Dave Baker to his credit was the one who said, you know, KSR had that hours ago. And that was seven years ago, but I just I couldn't believe like how petty to sort of say, you know. No, yeah, you can. How could you say you can't believe? I mean, <laughs> well, come maybe on, so. Yo, of
1: course you can. Well, of course so. you can. He's made a career at riding the coattails of Muhammad Ali and uh, and administrators at U Sorry, dude. He's 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 rode from the Schellenberger days at U uh, to the current administration, John Ramsey has has rode two two different uh, co- coattails: University of Louisville and Muhammad Ali. There's no question about it. I mean, he's and and he, he's he 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 just lowers himself to do shots like that. Come on, man. He gave you gave him a compliment in the middle of your all's little. You know, you all obviously don't get along, and then he's got to take a shot like that. It's like get get over
0: yourself. Well, that was very nice of you, Tony. Uh, on, on on that regard, I will uh, on that subject. Well, let's move to the next thing. Your are uh, board there. Matt Bevin dismisses the board, and 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 John or John, James Ramsey says he's going to resign. I have had a million takes on it. The people here who listen to this podcast have already heard mine. What was your take?
1: Um, I think. Look, obviously, a lot of people thought there should be some some change there. We all have been talking about that for months. Uh, there's probably going to be something that happened. Little did we know, he would just walk in on, a. I think it was like a Tuesday
0: or something. It was crazy. It was a, it was a Friday. And, it was a Friday because oh, well, I, I Friday. was at the U.S. Okay. Open. Yeah, I mean, when, and and okay. I saw it, yeah.
1: So a Friday, he just, at a 10 a.m. press conference about something else, said, oh, by the way, wiped out the board. The board found out on Twitter and <laughs> Facebook. That's crazy. Uh, it is crazy. And the thing is, Uh, Yes, I think that they needed some shake-up, but it's all about – it's like getting all new bosses at work. It's just like, be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. You don't know what you're getting in the next group. And everyone is so convinced that the new board will be athletic-friendly. And I'm like, you don't know that. See, I actually think –
0: I actually am not sure about that at all. I mean, you know what I can't say on the air. But you know what I've well, told you that that to me suggests that like major shakeup could come. Uh, it you, is. I mean, look, you, you know what I'm talking about?
1: Where I where, okay, where, but yes. But here's the thing. You, you you're appointed now right and and let's say you get appointed by the guy and he and he says uh he says this is what the agenda is that i want to happen can you do that but once you get on the board you can still vote anyway oh you no want. no no you're I mean, exactly so, right I,
0: but i so, you, okay but what about the what about president ramsey like is he going to st- like i feel like the whole point of all this was to get rid of the president and somehow we've gotten rid of everyone but the president I still think he's gone. Okay, but I, do I you think, think he's, he's going to stay the foundation? That's where all the corruption no, no. is?
1: No.
0: I know. That's, that's a great point. No, the problem isn't
1: him being the president. The problem is the foundation part of that thing, All right. So I is mean, he going to keep that job? He, um, I think that once the numbers come out with the breakdown of what the foundation has paid for over the last 10 or 15 years— that that will uh look, I think in the next couple of weeks, it's a good possibility he gives his resignation to the new board and the new board accepts it i I really think that's. but that reality. doesn't matter though
0: if he does the foundation is what matters. That's where well, the corruption I'd like to know, has
1: been. Right, I'd like to know what is the real power behind the foundation? like is it President Ramsey that's responsible for doubling the foundation, or is there a team of people, you know like assistant coaches like like Offensive and defensive coordinators are really responsible for the success of a football team. And when the head coach gets a big job, he's terrible at it, but the the team they left back is fine. Like, is he really the reason that they made all this money? Or is there a team of guys at L that are really good at fundraising? Yeah, that's a good question. Who knows? You know? All right. uh,
0: Let's switch to. Sorry, I have to clean out my ear. Um, Derek, (laughs) Derek Willis. There was that video. Uh, where he, oh yes. What, what, yes what did you think about that
1: uh, it is it's another example of video is terrible every single time if you just tell the story he was you know he was found laying in the street he was intoxicated it's one thing until you see the video of him laying in the street uh, and you know me I haven't had a drink in eight years but I will tell you eight years away from alcohol that that's a that's a problem you cannot be laying in the street Next to your car like that, you you need to take a real exa- You need to examine your drinking habits.
0: Now, do you think? That, let me that ask you that. Is, do you think that's true, even for a kid? Because, yes. like, I, I mean, if it's a grown man, I'm with you. But isn't and again, I'm not trying to justify what happened by by any regard. Okay, but is there a sense in which though, like, tw- that happens with 21 year olds sometimes? Yes.
1: Yeah, but. And, it, and when anytime it's involved with an automobile, Correct. you've got to treat it treated in a serious serious manner. I'm with you. Here's, uh, here's, here's the second thing. I am concerned for him after watching the video. Second of all, though, there has been very few. Look, when you play basketball and you're from <laughs> Bullitt County and you go play for Kentucky. There has been, for a kid that's played as few minutes as he has, and he was a great player last year for UK. I won't take that away from you. For a kid that's played as few minutes away uh, on the floor for UK, for the last three years, he's been a talking point for all our shows. The kid's been under a lot of pressure. The dad's involved, and it's, that's great. I'm so glad his dad's involved in his life. Uh, but he's been under pressure of, why are you still at Kentucky? Why did you go to Kentucky? Why are you sitting the bench? You can start anywhere in, in, in the country. Why are you still there? And then he performs... So, let's – I mean, that's the talking point. He's been under a lot of pressure. So, I'm not ready to to indict the guy. I'm just saying let's keep an eye on the alcohol consumption at this point. Yeah. You've well, got one on the board here.
0: Well, I mean, it's one of those – like, now you have – I mean, you have – that was a bad enough strike that it was two strikes. So, now, like, you can't right. screw up again, right? Like, if you that's don't right. – if, if he doesn't screw up again, I think it'll be fine. But he can't screw up again. And I, I'm with you. I, I I don't think people realize how much pressure and scrutiny have been on that kid from all angles, really. Yes. I mean, fan, yes. fan, teammate. I mean, imagine you're that kid. He, people forget he was part of, quote, unquote, the greatest recruiting class of all time, mm-hmm. right? Like he was mm-hmm. in the Twins class. That's easy to forget, right. but he was. And yes. the, the pressure on him constantly. I think Cal Perry's always been very hard on him. You know, much has been talked about his girlfriend, but but like she's also played a prominent role, been out in in the in the uh, in the public eye. I, I do hope though this is a reset for him because the thing is, Tony, he can play in the NBA. As crazy as that sounds, he can because what he is is exactly what the NBA is going towards.
1: He, uh, it, it, look again. It's all about the video, Matt. You see the video, and it makes it a hundred times worse. You're exactly if you right. Just read the story; it's one thing. The video was. And bad. Here's another angle. Here's another angle. He's he's the most famous person besides Shane and the dude. We from, talked about, we
0: talked about that today on the show. From County. I mean, are they? They are. In all seriousness, aren't they the two most famous people from Bullet County? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, because I know Nick Coffee's on our station, and he.
1: And he's like, those are the two most famous people from Bullet County, and and, and, so, and the dude and Derek Willis. You, you know, you know, and uh, I'm sure. And I, I again, I've challenged people to please email us and Twitter. Who else? Or you know what? I know that's a fact because they name all their schools directional: Bullet Bullitt- East. So there's Bullittown, no one famous. Do Do you think there'll ever no, be a? No will there be a? Uh,
0: will there be a Bullet the Dude? <laughs> That would be great, please. If there ever is a bullet, the dude, I will come to the dedication and I will cut the ribbon. I promise you. If they will do that, oh, um, all right. Uh, you mentioned Cal doing the ESPN thing where he hosted First Take and he hosted, uh, he hosted all that stuff. And Mike and Mike, were you mad about that? That, that like I no. mean, Levitard Le- not, was yeah. Levitard went off about it. Even canceled Cal coming on his show because of it. What did you think about it?
1: Uh, I think it's overblown. I, you know, whatever, dude. Look, that's not helping or hurting his, his recruiting at Kentucky. You, he recruits at Kentucky because he's put 27 people in the first round. He recruits well at Kentucky because he picks the right guys. He's he's recruiting at Kentucky at that level because he has the right pitches when they get on campus. I mean, it's look, you, you know, that day didn't help. There's not one kid that watched that and said, you know what, it was between Kansas and Kentucky. I'm going to Kentucky now. And how that, many that kids watch happen. Mike and Mike? <laughs> you <know>? None. Zero. <laughs> you know. Zero people. Zero yeah, people that are under 25 watch that. Show. What
0: it does do, I agree with you. I think it has no impact on recruiting. What it does do, though, is heighten Cal's star power. It's a, it's a Cal thing less than a U.K. recruiting thing. Do you agree with that?
1: Yes. And here's, and here's the thing though, as a, and I've said this in radio also, I am not a Rush Limbaugh fan and I've never been a Rush Limbaugh fan. And some people aren't uh, in his heyday, Howard Stern. Uh, But as a guy in radio, I used to say, you have to, we have to build up the Howard Sterns and the, and the Rush Limbaugh's because those guys put college, you know, put, put radio on the front. They are stars. They're on the map. So when they're on CNN or they're on NBC, that, that's a radio personality on television. When Calipari can be all day long on that stick and at least getting some publicity, is you got to get out of your bubble of Kentucky.
0: It's good. What's good for under- college basketball, and it's good for Kentucky. Yes,
1: that's ex- that's exactly right. So what's good for for having Calipari Perry is, is such a huge star, and whatever you think about Rick, he's still a huge name. So those guys being out and having a whole day around them is good for college basketball, and that's good for us.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that. And, you know, Terry Miners always says that with radio. Like, every time I'm in the middle of something, Terry will always say – I mean, I've heard him say it on the air. I've heard him say it to people. I'm glad Matt's in the middle of this. It's good for radio. Like, he was big on my interview with Katina Powell. Like, everyone Mm -hmm. wants to talk to Katina Powell. She's talking to you. That's good for radio. And I I think that's right, you know. Yes. Yes.
1: And uh, right. So when he spends all day, he's a great personality. When the 30 for 30 comes out, all of us L fans will absolutely throw up several times watching that show. But in my mind, that's good for us because we have got to bolster college basketball as much as we can, because that's the sport we love in the state. And it is not doing well.
0: Well, I don't. You always say that. I don't know why you say that. Like the ratings are great. The tournament does great. Regular season, you're right. It's not what it was 20 years ago. But I don't think that's coming back because people have other options. But the tournament, no, the tournament still kicks ass. I mean, the NCAA tournament. I think you can make a strong argument that it's America's second favorite sporting event behind the Super Bowl. I mean, if you if you, I, I think, if you look yeah. at the ratings and everything, I think it is. Yeah. Again, I,
1: you, you're right. It's not going back. I want it to go back. I want these super teams from the other days and the older days, and I want I want the regular season games to mean meet, meet as much to all of us as much as they are. But even in our own fans, even your alls, Kentucky fans and Louisville fans, the regular season games don't move the needle for us as they used to. Well, okay? I, I think it's part all of about it is three weeks in March, but
0: part of it is. That's a Cal factor too, right? Like, because part of it is now he's had a team that sucked during the regular season and still went to the final four, and then he's had yes. a team that was unbelievable and we sweated every game and then lost yes. in the final four. And so it's like it's hard. It's like people go, I guess it really doesn't matter because with Cal, who knows what'll happen in the tournament?
1: Who, who started to, to throw the ball up and let's play? I mean, that's that's. But how long? And I thought when Calipari said it years ago, I was like, that dude is on crack when he was like, power 65 going to pull off. that? That's going to happen at some point.
0: The and when it does, though, that'll be good for college basketball because then all the games will be good. I mean, I, the, the, the reality is Kentucky-Louisville still matters. Kentucky against a big team still matters. So, like, that Texas A&M game last year where Isaac Humphrey spiked the ball, like, that was huge. That was a huge yeah. thing. I mean, it stayed with us the entire time. I, I think what what has changed is I, we can't get fans excited about Kentucky against butt State anymore.
1: No. Uh, those days are gone. And, 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 again, even some of the bigger games just sort of go by the wayside. They just don't move the needle as much as they are. I mean, shoot, I'd like to, you know, as much as we're not well on the other side of the rivalry, let's play UK UL twice in a year. What the hell?
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Now, before, before I let you go, we I tell, we got to talk about the story for a second about when I visited ESPN. So you couldn't have been nicer to agree. So I called you. I, I've told the story from my perspective, which was I needed a suit. I called Tony Vanetti and I said, Tony Vanetti, will you go to my house and get the suit, right? And and, and right. I, I then told what happened, how you didn't send me the suit that fit and I had to buy a weird belt, et cetera. But I want you to have a chance to tell the story from your side, of me calling you and sort of like, because I feel like you have things to say.
1: Uh, I know how important it is to you, how nice you're being on the phone call, okay? Like, you started the conversation before you asked me, and you were so calm and nice, and you were being such a good guy. I was like, something's coming. Something's
0: coming. <laughs> you mean like I was, I was being more friendly than usual? Yes, you were being just like,
1: hey, Tony, and uh, everything's going well up here. And and I knew something was coming. I was like, he's going to ask something. He's going to ask something. And, and sure enough, <laughs> at the end, and, and there was no way. I knew how a difficult task it was going to be that you asked me. You go, look, dude, you need to track down my landlord, get the key, open the apartment, get a suit, track the landlord back down, give him the key back, go to a UPS (laughs) store, and mail your freaking jacket to you in New York. Now... That is all on a Saturday morning where my daughter is playing at Sacred Heart and
0: Field. Okay, now to be fair, I, now to be fair, before you told, first of all, it was unbelievably nice of you, but to, to be fair, I asked you and said if you can't do this, it's okay. Like I wasn't like I wasn't saying, Tony, if you don't do this, my entire life will go away. I mean, I I I, I don't want people to think I forced you into this. No, I was forced to do it
1: cuz you have no other friends in Louisville that are responsible enough to get that done. Well, and that's I true know you needed a suit.
0: That that's so true. I the thing, thing the is I have other you. people that I that I love in Louisville. Most of my friends are in Lexington. The ones that are in Louisville I just didn't – you're right. I mean, I could – like, Shannon the dude was my next option. Not going to get it done. And he was He no, was he, my next no. option. So, you know. Uh, he No, and he, t- he looked at me when I told him the story, and he
1: goes, you're insane. I would never do that. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I was like, that's why he called me, Shannon.
0: I bet uh, Shannon would do it. I don't know if he'd do it well, but he would do it. I but would, I-, I
1: pulled this off. I got to tell you. I had to go to the station because we started that soccer show from Louisville City FC. So I had to run there. Have a, hell get of a show set out up here.
0: I mean, a lot of get, people. A lot of hey, people are talking. It's a
1: fantastic show. Shut up. Shut a lot of people up. are talking so, about that show. So I have to meet your landlord in the Highlands, and you know how convenient the Highlands are to drive around. A lot of one-way streets. Like yeah, it's really it's a oh, good place yeah. to go. Oh, yes. Awesome fun. Meanwhile, my phone is buzzing because my wife's like, where are you at the game? Where are you? She's, she's playing. It's a big game. you got to be here. So I'm like, I'm on my way. I had to set this up. Didn't even tell her about the suit part because I knew she'd be like, you are not getting Matt Jones' suit to New York and missing your daughter's game." So I'm like I'm racing back and forth. And I, I get the key. I'm like racing back and forth from this New Road to your house and then to Sacred Heart. It's all one, two, three right there. Boom, boom, boom to Highlands in the Road. I get to your apartment and I open it up and I'm like, I'm, I'm like two seconds from going. I'm going live on Periscope with this.
0: No, act. if you had done that, I would have never forgiven you. That would have been. I nice. know. That would have. That would. That would not have been very nice. the the uh, the, the thing that hit me
1: in the head was my flashback being 25 years old and living in the Highlands. And when I was turning that lock, because it's one of those old houses, duplex, you know, places in the Highlands. Very nice. But you open it up and I opened it and started walking through. And you know what I did? I judged. I judged you on your apartment. It was like, the first thing that hit me was, I could really be in a 26-year-old bar manager from Molly Malone's apartment right now.
0: (laughs) Listen, I will totally plead guilty to that. I moved into this place when I was 27, okay? So I I moved into – or 28, something like that. I moved into this place a a while back. And the thing is, while I now make substantially more money and am more successful, I don't really want to leave because I like the location – I don't really need stuff. Like, I spend money on doing things, not things. So, like, even though this is kind of, like, I I like it, but yes, if you come into it, you would think I that's a really good that I'm the bar manager at Molly Malone's. That's a fair Yes. Question. That's fair. The two rooms the two rooms that interest me the most and trust me, I didn't
1: even go into the bedroom. I didn't even wanna know. I didn't I mean I d I didn't I go I, I started to walk towards the bedroom and I said Tony, don't do this to yourself. (laughs) Turn around. So I turned around. The two rooms that interest me the most was your, you have a, he has a sleeper couch, okay, that comes out. It's not a sleeper couch, but it, it's like half of the couch is a Lazy Boy. Yeah, and no, it's, 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 the it's the a leather couch, part.
0: and they're both, there are two Lazy Boy chairs embedded yes. in it. Yes, and w- one of them is that the Lazy Boy is still out, like it's in the recline. <laughs> it stays out. Bed, okay? It's out right and, now. And it's, got like
1: a, and it's got a pillow and a blanket. So it's like, you know this guy never sleeps in his bed. He sleeps right there. Like, that's where he sleeps. And then you have a desk, a really nice work desk sitting behind the couch that yes. it has a flat screen tv on the wall and your laptop was up like you the most thing you'll do is like if you get inspired You'll get out of the lazy boy, and you're so lazy you won't kick the lazy boy down to get out. You just crawl out of it to the side, and then go tap on your computer, and then you you can see that that was. So I said, "Okay, what is this room across the hall?" Oh, that's that a bad. One? That's a
0: bad room. Why did you go to that room? That
1: room. That room. Looks like you have a lot to answer for. That room—ever seen that TV show, Hoarders? Yes. That is a hoarders. Okay, let me explain to you that room.
0: Stack. Stack of what? You have
1: a stack of prints. Like people have given you like uh, paintings or (laughs) posters, and they framed them, and you have like twelve that are stacked in the middle of the room, and you've been too lazy to hang any of them. Okay. And there's boxes. There are boxes full of just stuff. No books. Like, those are
0: all books. All those boxes right. are books. They're full of books.
1: Yes. But if you went in there, you've got a good chance of either twisting an ankle, <laughs> breaking a leg, and then no one, no one would be able to – like you would have to call EMS and they would have to fight their way to get to you.
0: My friend Johnny Bruce says he believes – like if we haven't seen a person in a while, like let's say – like, we haven't right. seen our friend in a while. He thinks they're yes. buried in my room. He was like, yes. oh, he's in the, he's in, he's in the storage yes. room. Like, Hovey got yes. lost. So he walked in there and drowned. That's what happened.
1: So, the, the rest of the apartment is tolerable. That room is where it, it goes over the edge to where you're like, okay, this is silence of the land. You understand, but that okay.
0: room, I keep that door shut and no one ever sees it. Like, when, when I have people Dude. over, like, if I have a woman over, they're not allowed to. That door doesn't get open. Like, that door does not exist in their mind. I'm like, oh, you can't go in there. Stuff's happening in there. You don't want to have any part of that. And by the way, I tried to FaceTime you
1: that morning. It was 8.30 in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning. That was a sad luck to FaceTime you because you had, like, 10 – you had 10 suits. So I, when I looked, I didn't know the fat suit. You had two suits that were just back or they had their the dry cleaning on it. And yeah, because I'd worn – Those must be the ones.
0: I had worn the fat suit to – A derby party because I because you know at derby there's like you have to wear five different suits to events because they get dirty etc. and and I wore one and and so I I cleaned it and you you sent the wrong one which but again (laughs) I think first of all if I had known you were gonna judge my house like that I might have (laughs) found somewhat I would have just taken whatever Shannon the dude would have sent me and gone with it.
1: I mean it
0: was and I, and people are so pissed at me that I didn't go around and just take pictures
1: of everything and I said, "You know what? I'm not going to do it to him. I'm not I'm not this is why you need to find a wife. Let me that tell you something i not allow you to live like
0: this. In all seriousness, I I think my 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 one of my three or two or three best friends is tall, my college roommate. I've known him for over 20 years. He came here on Derby Day because we were all going to ride to the derby together. Mm-hmm. And he came in the, mm-hmm. he came in my living room and he goes, you know, you've lived here a long time. And he said, I've never been in this house, ever. Right. And I said, <laughs> well, that's kind of on purpose. Because literally, that's Tony, that literally, I could tell you on one, on two hands, how many, it's different with women, but how many, like, friends of mine I've allowed in my house. So, like, right. more, like, like like Shannon the dude's been here, Ryan, Ryan. Drew, but there aren't many. I mean, there's just a handful, and you were not on that list until that day, and now I wish you were still not on that list. Because that place could have been the home
1: of a senator of the United States of America.
0: (laughs) I guarantee you there's no one else who almost ran for Congress who lives like I do. Is that fair to say? That could
1: have been a congressman of the United States of America. That's right. There you go. There you go. Tony Vanetti. And then, but I tell you, I made it. We got the suit. I went to the UPS store. They said, going from? I said, Tony Vanetti. And then the girl goes, where's it going? I said, New York. Gave her the address. Going to? I go, Matt Jones. And a dude comes running back. <laughs> the dude that has that giant machine that, that fills up the bags with those little white, uh, little uh, corn things. Yes. He comes running out and goes, no blanking way. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yes, sir. The, I, I called you something. It's said, dumbass forgot his suit. <laughs> you're you a hundred and thirty five dollars. That was amazing
0: to me. York, I mean, right? I honestly thought it was going to be like fifty bucks. And when I talked to you and said, "Did you get it sit?" and you told me it was one hundred thirty five dollars, I could not believe it was that much. Well, and at that point, if if Shane and the dude had agreed to do that, he wouldn't have had At that it. point, <laughs> he would have said, "Okay, I'm done. I'm yeah. out. Nope." <laughs> Tony, I love you, man. Thank you for doing this. We'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm going to take a break here for a second to tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. If you are looking to hire someone, you want to know where you can find the best candidates? ZipRecruiter.com. You know there are a lot of job-seeking sites. Well, ZipRecruiter just compiles them all. So there's a 100-plus job sites, including social media networks. Don't worry about all of them. You can go to one place and have them all. It's ZipRecruiter.com. You can find candidates in any city or industry. If you need uh, someone for a job, ZipRecruiter. I have posted just recently a KSR job on ZipRecruiter. And why? Because it works. So right now, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Post a job right now. 800,000 biz- businesses across the country do it. KSR has done it. You can do it too. Make sure to get the right person at ZipRecruiter.com. Uh, okay. All right. Hang on just a second. Roush, I got to do one more and then, we're, and then we're good. I hope the peach jam is treating you well. Um, it is a wonderful thing and tonight when I've gone in years past Roush is Hooters night so I hope you uh, are going to Hooters to watch all the coaches hit on the uh, on the women as a matter of fact you know what Roush just put this in the (laughs) podcast this is the night where all the uh, sleazy little coaches go and hit on there and hit on the, the the girls at Hooters this is when you get to see like all the sort of sketchiness coming out. So you better go uh, tonight to, to Hooters in Augusta, Georgia. All right, here's the next ad. Vistaprint. <laughs> I have to tell you right now, you need business cards. So why not Vistaprint.com? Vistaprint is all about supporting small business owners. When I go out, I meet people all the time. Just did the other day at Dickman's, people who've bought their business cards, not bought, just bought their business cards at Vistaprint. 500 business cards, 9.99. 99 Use my promo code MAT. You can use them to personalize. They have thousands of industry-specific templates. You can customize the text, the colors, the backsides, and more. Vistaprint.com. It's easy to use and user-friendly, and they guarantee you'll love their products. If you don't, If you don't like them, they'll send them back. 500 business cards 9.99. You do need my promo code though. It's Matt. M A T T. M A T T. Don't put the H E W. It's up to 50% savings off, off regular site pricing at vistaprint.com. If you can't be with Nick at the Hooters to see all the coaches acting sleazy, then go now to vistaprint.com. 500 business cards 9.99. Promo code Matt. All right, now happy to be joined on the phone. By our friend, I guess we can call him a friend, even though I've, we've only met once, Ryan Rusillo. Ryan, how are you, sir?
2: We've only met once, but it was a great time.
0: It was. That was. That was at ESPN. You're with uh, Danny Cannell now, who Feinbaum's always comparing me to, so it was good to see both of you. How, by, by the way, how's that show going? I mean, you, you, you've worked with a lot of different people. What's it like doing it with Danny?
2: You know, it's, it's different because it's different from my role. You know, Scott's a huge star. He's, he's incredibly popular. And, you know, you knew it was going to be a challenge, you know, following up something like that, even though, you know, I felt like, like, look, I was a part of it, Um, you know, so I have, have enjoyed it. It's just it's radio. You know, it's tough. It takes a long time. You know, I would argue the first few years of Scott and I, we didn't really hit our groove until about halfway through a six year show. So it it takes a lot of time. But I think Danny has such a great background. Whether it's being drafted by the Yankees, you know, being a top recruit and being able to go anywhere he wanted and then, you know, struggling and being very honest about his NFL career. Uh, You know, I almost think he's too self-deprecating at times, but, you know, people just come back at him with the giant stuff all the time. I mean, we definitely lose our minds when we get to the SEC arguments. We've been told by some people we should just stop (laughs) because we're never going to convince the other guy. But, you know, I, I call him out when I think he's being ridiculously unfair, like saying, bam, after the Tennessee game didn't even look like a top 10 team. And then he just calls me a Bama Homer. And I'm like, well, if you think – I think teams that are good are good, then I guess I'm a Homer.
0: But does he do – like – well, first of all, before I get to that, there is a big difference, though, and this is what's kind of fascinating to me watching you. There's a big difference between being like a supporting cast member, which you kind of were with Scott, to now – I mean, you're the first name on there and you drive the ship most of the time. Was that, has that been a significant change or is it just doing something else? No, it's
2: basically just doing the formatic stuff because from a content standpoint, I think Scott would agree here. I did I did most of the stuff before over the last six years. And you know, a lot of that was based on the fact that his schedule and his deal was different because the guy was in there. I mean, the first four years of the show, I mean the guy was getting in there before the radio show and then staying to do the late sports center. That's I mean the crazy. guy had yeah. just, you know, like it's it's great. We all like working, you know, you gotta work if you wanna make it in this business. But that was that was ridiculous and then you know things mellowed out a little bit so i didn't come into it you know day one Rosillo and Canel feeling like oh you know this is going to be such a massive undertaking this is going to take so much more of my time because i'd spent a lot of time like i've always been a guy that that preps and i prep i prep too much you know i've kind of had to learn to dial it back because sometimes you think because you prepped all these things you spent all this time on you gotta say them all right
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, right you have to
2: use it all and it's actually stupid i'll never forget my first my tryout over 10 years ago at ESPN, and the only reason I tried out is because they had, had like a mess of a schedule situation and nobody was around, and it was this two-hour solo slot, and they heard my demo that luckily, you know how demos work, almost everybody just listens to them when they're drunk at Christmas parties or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, unfortunately, the kids out there, a lot of people won't listen to your demo tape, but I had Todd McShay, you know, hand-delivered to somebody and say, take a listen to this guy, he's my buddy from Boston, he's, you know, 29 or 30 at the time. And they said, "Look, we're we're in a jam. Do you want to come down and do a two hour trial?" And they're like, "It's solo." And they go, "You know, have you done a lot of solo shows? Which I'm sure you know. I think is the hardest single thing. I think it's impossible.
0: I don't know how people do it. I really don't. And there's some people who can. I I can't. I just can't.
2: Well, there's some people that do it, but I wonder why they even do it. (laughs)
0: It's
2: it's so much more work. It's just. And I've done enough to know how hard it is. And I used to do it a lot more. And then, you know, at times early on with Scott, I would do it, and then I wouldn't do it. And it's tough to get into a rhythm of being good solo when you're doing it infrequently. So, you know, then I I would have bad shows, and i start to doubt myself a little bit. And that's a whole other thing when you're solo and you're halfway through the segment, and you want to turn the channel because you're like, I'm so boring right now. Yeah. But... They were like, have you ever done solo before? And I say, yeah, yeah, all the time. And at that point, never. I'd never ever done a solo <laughs> But you show.
0: weren't going to say no, right? It's ESPN. Well, no. I
2: mean, at that point, yeah, I would i would have told them I had, you know, David Stern on speed dial, you know, because it's, it's a trial in Bristol. You know, I, this is something, probably a 30. I 30. I wasn't ready for it. You know, you wonder if it would ever happen. So. I head down, and it was right at the beginning of the first World Baseball Classic, and for whatever reason, I memorized all of the rosters in the World Baseball Classic. (laughs) No, you did. You memorized all of them.
0: New Zealand? You got that? Like, all of them? Yeah,
2: no. Whoever was playing that day, so, you know, I don't know how many total teams it was, so I think it was half the teams for that day. I spent hours in my hotel room studying the Korean pitching staff, and it was so, I mean, think of (laughs) how stupid that is. And first of all, it was a two-hour show. It was three segments. I think we had three guests as it was, and none of it ever came up like I think I even said something like I know Korea has a lot of depth at the back end of the bullpen and Jason Stark's like well do they I don't know he's like what, what are you talking about so uh
0: I just know, I love effort. it I'm laughing because I'm thinking about the fact that even now after having done this for five six years if I was in that same situation I would have done the same thing you would have done and I would have been nervous and and over prepared I, I can just see that's exactly what you would do right well it's totally what I,
2: I mean I wasn't even I mean, I was beyond nervous. I was scared. I was I was scared to death. You know, but that's the thing is that for whatever reason, you know, when I first started, it was it was it was always a bummer to me when I was a listener. And I was a guy that listened a lot growing up, and it would bother me when I would listen to the host being like, "You have this great job, and you have this outlet, and it doesn't sound like you even care to know anything." Like you could tell immediately if you were a guy that watched games, you could hear somebody go, "This guy is, didn't even. This guy couldn't even be bothered to watch the game last. Yeah, you're was right. A Red Sox game. Like what? What are you?" How do you work in Boston? Like, you clearly went to bed last night, and you don't know in the seventh inning that somebody got pinch hit for, that kind of stuff. Uh, I used to do the show in Boston with a baseball register in front of me just in case I needed to look up a transaction for a trade and be like, oh, yeah, Jeff Supon was traded. And, you know, it's just dumb, dumb stuff. And once I started to realize that it's cool to know stuff, but if it's not interesting, like, there's really no point. So I think all of that stuff... Was stuff that I learned by prepping probably too much in the beginning with Van Pelt. And then, you know, once Van Pelt and I said to her, so, we go, you know, we just need to have a little bit more fun and do some more dumb stuff and actually tell more stories. And whenever we got off topic and screwed around and had that chemistry, I think that's when the show really shined and we could tell between the ratings and just the response that we would get. Like, you do, you do something, you know how it is, you do something dumb and you talk about like your five worst chain restaurants. And that resonates more for the day than any great take you have on something you spend all this time preparing and studying that relates to sports. I mean, you can't completely deviate from sports, but I think it's finding that balance of when to just totally break character. And, and I think that's something that Danny and I are, are getting
0: at. And don't you think that becomes more and more true like every day? Because now I, I had this conversation today with Drew, who, who works with me. And I was saying like, I feel like every day, what people think sports people should do becomes less important. Like, when I first started, basketball recruiting was how I came up. Like, me talking about recruits and knowing all about them. Now when I talk about it, like, no one cares. Like, now people want to know about the story of when I ran into somebody and it was funny and I got mad. Like, it's just – I feel like there's so many sports takes that now personality almost matters three times as much. What do you think?
2: Oh, yeah. I don't I don't think there's any question. You know, Colin is somebody who I get along with really well, despite the fact that we're so different and we, we would make fun of each other openly on the air. Um, but, you know, he's not a guy that's going to spend a, time, a ton of time watching games, and he's not going to spend, uh, you know, an hour researching a seven-minute open segment to make sure he has every little detail down perfectly. He's going to come up with an analogy. He's going to come up with a take and I may be in the car going, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's just not even true. But if it's something creatively that he feels like, Hey, this is an interesting way to look at this, then I understand how that wins. And it, and it took me a long time to, to discover that. Like, I'll never be like that. And I'm, I mean, we're just two completely different styles, but I think you go through it long enough, you start to respect that. And I do think like a bigger thing with the industry is, is it doesn't even really matter being right.
0: Anymore. I agree. It
2: matters. It <laughs> I matters totally far agree. more. I, you know, and the thing is, I don't think I can ever do this. I just had a discussion with a creative person on our show and they were saying, you know, maybe you should have done a little bit more of this. It was some comparison to Kevin Durant and Dwight Howard. And I go, I just don't believe there's even anything close to evidence that tells us Durant has the same person personality as Dwight Howard. Like why would I, how could I ever do it? And the thing is, it was kind of an interesting comparison, even though I just thought fundamentally, like there's just, that's insane. They're, they're not the same guy. So, you're right, though, about like, what people think you should know or what you should be aware of. Like, I like hockey. I pay zero attention to it, and I'll always get playoff time. Like, it'd be nice if you did some more hockey. You'd think if you worked at ESPN, you'd know a little bit more about hockey. You're an embarrassment. You go, well, two things. If you're into hockey, you don't want me to do a hockey segment because I'm going to butcher it because I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> exactly, about. Exactly. Yeah. But you would be amazed at the things I don't need to know to be a successful talk show host at the national level. And, you know, that's happening a lot with baseball, too. Like, Van Pelt and I used to have Joe Morgan on every week, and we were pumped to do it. And now, and it's nothing against Joe Morgan, but you go, like, I don't even know if you would do that segment every single week, like, going, hey, you know, do the Mets starters have enough depth to get through this? Like, I just don't know if that stuff, especially when you're doing a national show, resonates enough.
0: I I don't think it does. I think it's fascinating how little, like, sports – sports shows are now and i know that sounds weird but like you know if you think about it the the off the off-season topics are almost more interesting like this durant stuff is much more interesting than the vast majority of games and i think that that really has sort of has sort of changed i also wanted to ask you when i was at espn a couple weeks ago it was first time i'd ever been there and that's when i met you and the whole thing was fascinating to me and it's and and it's easy to sort of – I think most people listening to this look at your life and look at people that do what you do and say, like, that's the best job in the world. How cool. And, I'm, and I still think it's very cool and you do a great job. But it's also when you're there, you realize these are like human beings. Like, it was Skip Bayless' last day, and people were crying that he was leaving. And I only knew Skip Bayless as the guy that says these crazy things – and people were crying when I thought, well, why would you be crying? But then you realize, like, that's a human being. You probably, being a huge sports fan, saw that, and now you work in it. it is, do you know what I'm saying, like how it's actually – what I'm, what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, I do because, you know, I've been there over 10 years now. And, you know, the Sports Center ads couldn't be more accurate. Like, you'll be sitting there on a Saturday, and I used to spend all Saturday there if I wasn't on the road for college football because I would do a home show. We were on the road. You know, we have a radio version of College Game Day, and I travel around the country for six years doing that. But there would also be times we wouldn't go on the road with TV every single time. And, you know, I'm standing in line at the cafeteria, and Lou Holtz is behind me, you know, waiting, waiting to pay for two hot dogs. Yeah. And, it's, and it's Lou Holtz. And Lou Holtz is, like, trying to get away from everybody. And when Notre Dame lost to B.C. in 93 and cost themselves the national title after they beat Florida State in the regular season, the kicker who kicked the field goal for BC was a UVM soccer player where I was a freshman at school up in Vermont. Um, if, if your listeners don't know where Vermont is, it's the state that borders Canada and yeah, they have people there and there's actually a university.
0: Hey, listen, um, they have a lot but, of maple syrup. I've been there a month.
2: Right. Right. So I went up to Lou Holtz and at that point, you know, I hadn't been there too long, but I go, Hey Lou, you know, the, the kick. And he just kind of like looks at me like, Oh great. You're going to remind me of like the worst day ever in South bend and, I go, well, I don't know if you knew another added thing about that kick, but he was a soccer player at UVM decided to transfer to BC because he wanted to kick field goals. And he, like, dropped his hot dog and his jaw dropped. He looked at me. He goes, just when I think that story couldn't get any worse. But that's that's the kind of stuff, the kind of interaction you would have. Now, like the Skip thing, you know, Skip and I used to live in the same hotel because the first three years I worked in Bristol, I drove back and forth from Boston because I was still doing Celtic stuff for TV up there. And I just wasn't ready to move down here. And I felt like, you know, if I'm going to move down, I need it to be more of a, a Monday or at least a five-day-a-week deal because I would have these weird stretches where I'd go a week without work at ESPN and then they'd call and say, hey, we have all the shifts to fill in. And then i just go live in the hotel across the street. Yes. And I can tell you that, you know, talking with Skip off the air, he, he and I would talk college football and he was incredibly gracious and nice and thoughtful um, and... You know, you felt like, man, you know, this guy really gets beat up a lot. But however, you know, we ended up having some things over the course of my time there where and I'm sure some people are aware that, that I was critical of him uh, with some LeBron stuff. Because I just feel like, you know, there's there's a time where
0: Well, he was ridiculous about LeBron. But he also but still think, is a human being. You know what I mean? Like right, that's what right, you right. that's what I, you I realize. There,
2: there's a way to separate it, but it's it's hard, like if you're gonna make a living off of being just outrageously yeah. defiant about greatness and start tweeting out that Kyrie hit the big shot and that, you know, Igodal had back spasms and you're just going to keep playing that role. And I, you know, think it's a bit of an act because it's good for the show and it helped him raise his profile. Like it's, again, it's kind of gets back to originally what we were saying. Like I have a hard time kind of doing that stuff. And because, you know, I'd said, Hey, you know, look, if you're going to say this stuff, like expect that people are going to come after you. And that kind of caused this other thing. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time getting into, but I was very critical of that that monday after game seven because I go you know here we go again i was like you guys always ask us they'll email or text into the show or hit us up on twitter being like how come you're not talking about this and so you know other people wanted to say that i did it because he was leaving that day and it had nothing to do with it, it had only to do with the fact that he was saying stuff about it at game seven and i i always think it's important that i you know say look we you know at one point like I totally get it and his frustration with the way he was treated at least publicly but he he did bring a lot of that on himself, yeah you can't have it both I,
0: ways but it, right, it, when but, I
2: first met him he was he was incredibly nice to me yes and you know there was a time where we were pretty cool and honestly I don't even think he I doubt he worries about me too much he's, he's got a pretty good deal
0: yeah I, and I just it's it was fascinating like even though I'm a grown man there was still a part of me that day walking around that was like a kid in the candy store because I've watched this since I was 5 and then you were walking around it and I and Yeah, of course. You know, I, I it how just could you not
2: like I almost left, you know, it's it's almost like being an athlete sometimes. You, you know, you have a deal, you have a deal for a couple of years and then it's up and you wonder, you know, am I going to get resigned? signed? Do I have a chance to go somewhere else and you know, I, I've I almost left one time pretty seriously. And I remember waking up that day when I was trying to finalize this decision. And I was kind of going back and forth every single day because I was like, do I really want to live here anymore? And is this new thing perhaps a better opportunity? But I am leaving like the, the epicenter of, of all this stuff because you go into every restaurant and your hotel, and like ESPN's still on. Like people can knock ESPN all they want, but like there's, there's one station that's on whenever you go to all these places and all these shows and the outlet, there's nothing to compare it to. And I remember watching SportsCenter as I was getting ready that day and I went, are you ready to walk away from this? Like, how are you going to feel when you turn on sports center and it's that morning and you're in your new city and you're in a new job and you realize like the Bristol thing is over. And I realized at that point, like I'm not ready to leave. And people don't realize
0: what a small town that is. I mean, like you, you, you get it if you're there and I know you get it living there, but it's like you put, you know, you put ESPN, and if people in Kentucky are listening, like, you put ESPN in Corbin. Like, you put ESPN in just this little small town, and that's also got to be weird. You're this massive fish nationally, and yet you live in a place with, like, one hotel.
2: Yeah, look, nobody lives in Bristol. Nobody does. I mean, the only people that live in Bristol is, you know, like anybody if you were entry-level, okay, and you would, you know, people always be like, oh, that must be terrible you live in Bristol. And I'm like, well, look, nobody really, nobody really lives in Bristol. I live 20 minutes away. Van Pelt and I live in the same town, a bunch of people, there's these pockets of towns kind of outside of it. But you know, if you live in Bristol, like anything, like if I moved to Connecticut and started working at ESPN at 23, I probably would live in Bristol and, and share a room with like four guys and just be geeked out that I'm working at ESPN and probably argue about the playoff committee every single week. You know, Cause that's, <laughs> that's kind of how it works. Yeah, The, the housing is a little cheaper there, but I do think this one stat is, is maybe the most telling thing. And that's, I think when ESPN first started in the late 70s, the population of Bristol was 30,000. And I believe the population today is about 30,000. So the growth of ESPN in this massive, it's almost like Vegas. It just keeps building upon itself and this incredible campus and atmosphere and this thing that's like this world power. <laughs> it, it had almost no impact. And McDonald's went out of business across the street. Is that right? right? That's good. Kind of right. Because. They put up a security fence around the campus so nobody would walk through anymore because it was too far of a walk to walk across to get McDonald's. So as soon as that happened, McDonald's went out of business. So the town is is separate of this this little world of four plus thousand people that are working every day.
0: Yeah, well, I really enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully, we'll get to come back sometime. Now, I want to ask you about the MBA for a second, and really, sort of your take on on Cal and the guys in the MBA. First of all, Cal. I'm always interested in people like you, what you think of him from afar. I take it that you're a fan. Am I right about that?
2: I love Cal. I love that Cal embraces what the setup in college basketball is. He doesn't pretend it's something else. You know, you had Duke pretending forever like, oh, you know, that's not the way we do things here at Duke. It's like, well, it is gonna be that way if you keep losing guys that have no interest in really being on campus. And that in itself is a whole Another debate, I I, I hate the idea that we pretend that we care about kids' educations that we have nothing to do with, and we don't care about their education. We care about the quality of our college basketball team. So the fact that Cal just goes to these guys is like, I'm going to bring a ton of you in, and if you're afraid of competition, then maybe we don't want you here anyway, and you're not cut out for Kentucky. He embraces what it is. He doesn't disguise it as anything else. I mean, obviously, he's an incredible, engaging personality. I do think he has this complex that he thinks everybody hates him. Uh, I don't think that's true at all. But when he does deal with the hate of being the guy who's in charge of this superpower, like it's it's hard to tell people when they are getting a lot of hate that's directed at them that they aren't. You know, it's it's hard when it's like it's like. You know, if, if somebody loses their mind on me on Twitter and I respond, then I'd have a manager say like, "Why do you care?" You know, just ignore it. And it's like, well, it's easy for you to say to me that, you know, as as a oh, manager because right. it's not
0: you, you're, right. You're exactly right. Like everybody says, and because I respond way too much, and you, I've seen you do it too. Everybody says. Hey, I don't do girl. it that much,
2: though. Yeah, I do it, I do that it much. too like, much. I, look, I need to and nod. then I give myself 10 minutes and I go, do I really want to respond to this joker? Every now and then I just I can't deal with but it. But it's easy it. to
0: say don't do it until you're the one getting it. And very few people out there get it. On the level, and like Cal, Cal always says to me, Matt, why do you respond? I'm like, Cal, you don't read your Twitter. Like, you don't know what people say about you. And, and but but he is well, maybe not on
2: Twitter though. But, but he, he thinks like the world's out to get. Well, he reads
0: the the, it. the the media articles. Like if like right. he he's the person who nine people can write a good article, and then Dan Shaughnessy or Jeff Goodman can write a bad one, and that's the one he focuses on.
2: Right. And and again, this is nothing easier than giving other people advice on how they should sure react to stuff that's not happening. So I and, and I'm, you know, in a way, I don't even want to detract from this because I think like Cal would come up and visit Van Pelt and I and I'm, you know, I'd have something a little bit more specific. I go, hey, you know, and I think the Nets thing bothered him so much. And if you really get into how that affected him as a guy and, and how deflated and defeated he felt like his story of redemption is incredible. And like, look, we know how it is with Kentucky. Like but he anything, likes you. Anything.
0: I told you that you don't believe me, but he likes you. Cause he, uh, I, cause I mentioned, it, no, listen, I, should, mentioned him, like me, I, I mentioned I to really him, I mentioned to him, I met riffle. you, I mentioned to him, I met you and he said, Oh, I like that guy. So I know he likes you.
2: Um, yeah, maybe it's the Massachusetts connection too. that. You know, we used to love, I was in college and that UMass team was going on that run and we're like, this is because nobody rooted for UMass. Nobody that was in <laughs> Eastern mass. Yeah. He didn't root for anything in the four one three. So I, I like what Kentucky does. Cause there's no excuses and it's horrifying. Like I remember, all right, so it was the gear with Nerlens, and then he got hurt, and would you lose a Robert Morris? Or 2013, yeah, or yeah, lost. to yeah, Robert Yeah, right. So Van Pelt and I did this argument. It's like, who would you, whose program would you rather have? Would you rather have the ISO program that you know exceeds expectations, or would you rather have Kentucky? And I go, well, you're asking this question in the worst possible year for Kentucky to be the answer. But even having said that, like, you're going to be insane to go with anything other than Kentucky because every year you're reloading. And yeah, sure. It's, it's a failure in that part of the country to not make it out of the regional final, but there's a stretch. There was it three, four years where you're going, we're this close to playing for another championship. He could have easily,
0: he could have easily won. In 2010, with the wall team, they were the best team. They just lost to West Easily. Virginia. Easily. In 2011, right. the they Virginia. made – Yeah, West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. 2011, Brandon Knight, they make the Final Four, lose to UConn. 2012, they win the title. 2013, of course, the, the narrowest way. 2014, they make the Final Four, lose to UConn in the championship. 2015, they're 38-1. and one. I mean, at some point, like, you got to have fun with the fact there's still good stuff even if you don't win it.
2: Right, and the first UConn thing, like, somebody from the gods decided to just bless that team that looked like they weren't even going to get in. Yeah. And, you know, and then all well, of a both of a those like, UConn the, teams,
0: the Kimball Walker right, and one and the look, Shabazz Napier one, yeah. Yeah,
2: I actually – it is funny debating which one's more of a surprise, but even the second one, if you look at some of the guys that just went on the tear besides Shabazz, like, those guys are being talked – Daniel's being talked about, like, a lottery pick. You have to Google those guys now to figure out what the hell happened. <laughs> exactly. So, um you know, and that was the the Kentucky team that famously just completely wrote off. But like, I was writing that team off because I thought Cal was writing that team off too. Like, you had that. I think it was a late game with Florida, and you're going. I don't know, or is it was the South Carolina? Well, lost, they lost to know?
0: South Carolina, and he got you're kicked right. out, and 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 all that. But th- but that was the team, if you remember. Aaron Harrison hit three straight game winners. Well, no, no,
2: that. nobody. I remember, but trust me, like you had a paper down there suggesting I took a week off because I couldn't deal with the backlash.
0: Oh, that was of being yeah. so incredibly wrong. Yeah. He wrote, wrong. <laughs> he wrote right, that. Right. Yeah, he was right. And then, like,
2: I remember I showed up to work on that Monday because I came back. Now they're in the Final Four, and. and I had a manager be like, oh, you know, are you ready to, to, to make – I'm like, I didn't kill anyone, man. I got it wrong about a <laughs> Kentucky team that to this point was extremely underwhelming and, yes, got bailed out by Harrison. Like, I was wrong. I was wrong about a team. He goes, well, you know, I just just want to make sure you were ready. I'm like, "I look, again, man, and I kind of got annoyed with the manager. I'm like, I'm good. I've been doing this long enough. I screwed it up. But, you know, we don't need to, like, get PR involved, okay? I was wrong about a basketball
0: team. <laughs> I know you, I, I've kept you longer than I said I would, but real, one real quick question about some guys in the NBA. If, two questions. Number one, if you had to take one guy for the future, do you take Anthony Davis or do you take Carl Towns? And then second, what are your thoughts on DeMarcus Cousins?
2: Oh no! <laughs> you said we only had a little time. Right? Oh no, go for it. We had uh, as much
0: time as you want. I just I didn't want to keep you. Long. Well, I, I
2: have to answer the Demarcus one at, at greater length, so I'll, I'll go with the other one first. I would have I would have taken Davis. What he was year three is historic. Is, is historic. You know what I mean? Like I would have. I kind of got annoyed that because Davis was down this year and Towns is doing what he's doing, that all of a sudden it had to be Towns. But it kind of has to be Towns. Like if you if you're so it really does. Sitting You there would going say Towns. Board, yeah. Right. You have to say Towns now. And, you know, the funny thing about Towns is that, like, I think Julio Okafor is a really talented player. And he may be a talent that's outdated in today's NBA. But, you know, the way I prepare for the draft after watching games of the season, I really, you know, break it down. I go through synergy. So I'm just watching clip after clip in certain situations, pick and roll, pick and roll defense, all these different things. And I remember sending a GM a text going, hey, like, I feel kind of like an idiot. But there's no debate between these two guys, and I like Okafor, but you can't you can't take him over Towns, and everybody will say now, like, what are you talking about? But How that wasn't what people debate? thought
0: then. It, it was it was it was a like split. Okafor yeah. was the guy all year. Yeah, exactly.
2: So I, you know, what's crazy about Towns, and you'll know this because you know these guys, but I was watching him. I've met him a few times. I've interacted with him.
0: He's almost so nice bordering on on, on nerdy a little bit. Oh, listen. If he (laughs) Ten years ago, he plays for Duke and everybody hates him. Willie Cauley-Stein said to me about Carl Towns that when he first met him, the first week, he said, this dude's so nice, I assumed he had to be fake. He was like – I was like – he goes, no one is that nice. And he said, then I realized, you know what, he is. But you're right about that.
2: And the thing is, is like even – okay, so – Willie's saying that, like, thinking, okay, maybe he's fake, and I would get that. But I watch him and go, how are you this good already? How are you Well, this no, good? I think how he believed maybe- that.
0: It just at the very beginning, he wondered that. But, yes, he's amazing. He could host a show now. Yeah, you would think like, – I don't know. Like, if I just met him
2: and somebody said this is going to be the next big deal, I'd go, I don't know. He's not, he's not mean. He doesn't seem like he has any edge. Like, how is a big guy with that personality – going to be one of the true stars of this league but he is and when you talk to minnesota about it they go you know how nice it is and really that class was was pretty loaded up with with good guys although everyone you know is going to hate angelo russell now and a couple of the okafor things but when you met towns and and you talk to the team and you, they go do you know how nice it is to have a young superstar that like is this easy to work with and <laughs> yeah. all, all he cares about is getting better so um yeah towns is the answer now i'll give you an example of that right
0: uh he had said to me right before he left for the draft, he said, next year I want to come after the season and host your show. And I went, well, right. of course. And I forgot about it because I thought he'll never do that. He calls me up one day at 1130 at night and says, hey, Matt, I'm going to be in, Le- in Lexington next week. Can we take up on the promise I told you I'd do? He remembered it a year later, and he came in and hosted the show.
2: Right. And he's probably the answer to who would you start your franchise with tomorrow of anyone in that league, which is scary. And to think that we're even doing this instead of Anthony Davis, you know, after what he did to start his career. And, you know, I don't even sometimes I don't like answering these questions because somehow it's like, oh, you don't think Anthony Davis is any good? And you're like, yeah, because that's exactly what I said, because Davis, you know, is is insane himself. Uh, Cousins, as we transition as a guy, uh, this is this is something that I've spent. A lot of time on because you look at the numbers and the analytics crew like I get it Cousins is the most talented big man but until he changes his approach to how he is invested in every play in a game he will for me always be a losing player Uh, there are so many little things that he does that I just don't know I, I think there's a lot of people out there that just see 26 12 and five assists and his shooting that he added to his game this year and think I'm just blind or I have some inherent by like my only bias is, is being right or wrong i you know why would i love carl anthony towns and then hate DeMarcus cousins because yeah. of kentucky it doesn't make any sense but i've watched so many of their games where the final stat line is incredible and it's maybe a close game and he comes down and if he doesn't get it in the post and maybe it's a second possession in a row he hasn't touched the basketball then he comes back down he doesn't want to set a screen so you know, then then he's blown up the offense because now he's not invested. He'll come back down the other end. He doesn't box out. He gets beat for an offensive board, goes up foul, stares down the ref, then stares at the bench, and he loses it. He mentally checks out of so many games that that's why he can be this talented and they can continue to lose. You can talk about ownership because they are the worst-run organization in pro sports. You can talk about the coaching turnover and all these things and not having great talent around him. But if you are only blaming those other factors instead of his approach to the game, then you're continuing to make excuses for him, which is I think what a lot of people do do in this world because he is so talented. But he needs a complete overhaul about where he's at and his mental approach to the game. I don't want to hear about the numbers because they don't mean anything unless he decides that he's going to compete the entire time. And he doesn't do that. And he still doesn't do it. And that's why he's on his sixth coach.
0: And what's so weird about that, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you said except this, at Kentucky he did none of that. Like, at Kentucky, he was, you know, he was temperamental and annoying, but he was wonderful to be around, couldn't have been a better kid, hustled every single play. Is it the case? Like, again, I don't know, because you know more about the Sacramento organization than I do. Is it – how can a dude be like that at Kentucky and then have the problems he had in Sacramento? Yeah, I don't know if it's just because
2: Cal is that good. You know, and, and Cal didn't exactly have a, a great time with him either, you know? He didn't um, love
0: him, I mean, but he but they were they fought, but in a good-natured way. Like Yeah, and I think
2: Cal handled it the right way. Cal would just be like, hey, what do you want me to do with this guy? Like, you know, and then would sort of laugh it off. Like, okay, this is how it's going to be for the whole year. Fine. We'll both be our ways, but, you know, go out there and compete. Um, I wish – so badly that Cousins would have a veteran that he respected that yeah. was there in place, but, it, you know, it doesn't happen it's the way the lottery is because anybody's really good at a the veteran. Their team isn't in the lottery. Like, I would have I would have paid KG $10 million a year just to be on the staff, <laughs> yeah. just to try to get through to Cousins. And I don't know if this can be changed. I don't know if it's money. I know he's not a bad guy, okay? This is never about the personality thing, but I just, you know, I, at some point I wonder if he ever goes, am I – part of any of this problem because he is he is this isn't just on everybody else and until you know that's a hard thing to do look in the mirror and be like okay you know how much of this is on me because it's a lot more fun to not blame yourself but i don't i don't know that it's ever going to change and if he gets traded there's all these other fan bases that are expecting you know moses malone to show up with an outside shot and more athletic and i you know if unless you have the pieces in place around him meaning the personalities around him, not just the talent around him. I don't know. I, I hope it can be salvaged. I hope we can turn around, but to this point, has isn't a lot of evidence that makes me think it will.
0: Yeah. He I mean, trusts so few people. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Hey, listen, thank you very much for doing this. You, we went longer than I know no, I said no problem, I would. But uh, Ryan Russillo, your show with Russillo and Cannell every afternoon on ESPN. And they played on what? ESPN News? Is that right?
2: Hey! Yeah, ESPN News, all three hours. Yeah.
0: All right. Hey, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Thank you
1: and lawyers cans and
0: my